the high level takeaway here is that we are our own harshest critic and we're going to judge and finesse every frame of that video. So, you know, practice is the key to success. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're going to talk about communication challenges in business, specifically for salespeople, but anyone that's living in this digital world that is, as my guest calls it, increasingly faceless. This digital world It creates communication challenges and video can be the answer to that. I get asked a lot about what video providers are choosing, how we should be using it. And we are lucky to have with us today, Ethan Butte, Chief Evangelist from BombBomb. Ethan, thank you so much for taking time and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chad. Really looking forward to the conversation. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Before we jump into the topic of the day, we always like to ask a random question just so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. What hobby or passion do you have that people who only know you through work or your evangelism might be surprised to learn about? I guess I'll go to, I mean, I definitely love really good beer. But what's more interesting to me, I mean, because you <laughs> fold in passion, you know, the thing that's the most interesting to me is the increasing body of research around the physical and emotional and even chemical benefits to humans of being connected to nature and the outdoors. I think we've lost sight of that. I think that theme will actually, you could, we could have that conversation in parallel with the, the conversation around uh, video in place of some of our typed out text, just because, <sighs> you know, our habits have moved so far away from it. I don't think we appreciate it and spend enough time or energy drawing from, you know, the world around us that is not manufactured. Yeah, the natural environment. Now, we're both lucky. We both live in Colorado, so we have at our disposal some of the most amazing parks, hiking, all of that type of stuff. But I could not agree with you more. There is a, there is a serenity that I find from being outdoors, whether that even on the back of my motorcycle to hiking out and camping out in the middle of nowhere. So glad to hear that. And I'd love if we can wrap it into the conversation and let, let's do it. But let's start with, you know, a little bit more around Bomb Bomb and your role there. Sure. Yeah. So I've been involved for almost a decade now with the two co-founders, about eight years full time, or it will be in about a month or so. You know, I got involved early because I was just curious about what else I could, should, would be doing. I'd been doing the same kind of work for about a dozen years prior to that. I was running marketing inside local television stations. And, um, you know, it's a highly cyclical thing. And I was just kind of bored of it. And so I started doing project work with a bunch of different uh, companies. And while I was working on an MBA as well, just kind of in this exploratory situation to like, you know, what's next for me? What skills are transferable? What do I actually enjoy? What do people actually value in terms of what I can provide as an individual and as a team member? And um, I just got involved with them. I really like and respect the guys. I really appreciate the core values that weren't stated as clearly then as they are today. But you know, they were just on this mission and it was fun and interesting for me. And so I jumped on when we had a couple hundred customers and now we have about 45,000 and it's been a really interesting time. That's a pretty significant growth trajectory. (laughs) It it is. And we've done it all bootstrapped and, uh, you know, I've pretty much had the same 
title all along, but of course a title in a different situation is not the same job at all. Um, (laughs) And we've never put a lot of emphasis on titles, but I think this, this uh, shift from VP of marketing to chief evangelist was really an, an attempt to capture this idea of, you know, I literally wrote the book uh, along with our CMO, Steve Passanelli, on how to use simple personal videos. You know, I'm having conversations with people like this. I do a lot of traveling and speaking. And so trying to capture this idea that, you know, we're out there talking about the problem that we face as working professionals and the opportunity we have to solve it with simple personal videos, even more than we're talking about bomb bomb and the software and the subscription options and all that other stuff, right? Like, working around the problem, not around the product. So I've been increasingly doing that. And so we're trying to maybe capture that in my day-to-day, week-to-week, and in the job title itself. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So let's talk about the current state of communication in the business world. It is, to put it bluntly, a mess from my from my perspective. There is so much data, so much input. How, you know, how many emails, Slack messages, LinkedIn, what Snapchat, whatever, all of this input that we get, there's really only so much we can take in. But would love to know from your perspective, being out there talking and, and speaking and interacting with all of these clients and things, what challenges kind of give us a summary of the, of the state of the communication space in business as you see it and some of the challenges that you're running into or seeing customers run into? Well, there are a variety. I mean, I think what you, I think the way you set that up, most people, that's, this is where my mind went. I'm sure a lot of listeners did too. Is like, you know, you immediately get onto the sheer volume and how challenging it can be to keep up. Even more fundamentally, I feel like through, because automation and other, you know, tech tools in general, whether it's automated or not, allow us to do a lot more. We can shoot out a lot more messages. You know, that that's where we get the volume issue. I think also... I like some of the softer language I hear coming back into popular business culture around empathy and things like actually thinking about what's in it for the customer prior to shooting stuff out at them. But where I spend a lot of my time and energy is the idea that only a handful of generations ago, almost all of our work was done face to face. And that's how we've been communicating exclusively as a species for millennia, right? Like standing on two feet, face to face, communicating to one another and so it's deeply, deeply embedded in the human experience and in our brains and in our subconscious processing to have so much of the trust and communication and all these signals that we send and receive intuitively without ever having to consciously think about it. We're setting all that stuff aside and we're essentially hiding behind a cloak of digital anonymity when we rely exclusively on plain typed out text that doesn't build rapport, it doesn't differentiate us, and it doesn't communicate nearly as well as if we just look someone in the eye. And so here we are in 2019 with amazing cameras built into our laptops and built into our smartphones. Both of those devices are connected by Wi-Fi or Hardline almost anywhere we go, almost all the time. And so we have the tools and technology to get face-to-face again. And we don't have to rely so much on this this again, plain black text on a plain white screen that we've increasingly relied on, especially over the past couple of decades or so. And so what we're looking to do is help swing the pendulum back a little bit to a more personal and human way to communicate. And the fun thing is, A, obviously you stand out in the inbox, so you get more replies, more responses, more clicks through your emails. It helps convert leads. It helps generate referrals and all these other things that we've proven out through survey data and through, uh, through anecdote and success story. 
But even better to me and more interesting, although more challenging to capture, is that it's also a more satisfying way to work. So it's more effective, but it's also more satisfying. And I think it's about the fact that we really do thrive when we are in relationship with one another. And this is the next best thing to being there in person. Yeah, you raise a really good point. So, I mean, I, I can remember when I started, when I started in sales, and I, I spent the first nine years of my career in marketing, but that was extremely face to face at that time. But even, I mean, we're going back 15, 17 years ago when I started in sales, 98% of my interactions were face to face. I went to fly to see the customers. I spent time with the customers. It wasn't as anywhere near as much of a digital onslaught um, as we have today. I'm curious, have you seen some of the, you know, as, as millennials have become much more powerful in the, in the buying process, I think that, we've got Gen Z coming in. Are you seeing any hesitancy from these individuals to leverage video because it, they feel exposed or are they embracing it because they find it to be much more engaging, satisfying, and, and an opportunity to create empathy and connection. Really, really interesting question. You know, in my experience, the hangups to getting started are approximately the same. They're just manifest a little bit differently. You know, a lot, I think a lot of the tendency would be to say, oh, well, these young people, they've grown up, they're digital natives, and, you know, they're very comfortable, and they're on social media, and they post stuff all the time. That's true, but... Right. And this is where this is where we all have it in common. And, you know, and then for more established and uh, and more experienced sellers, they have deeper habits and it's more difficult to get them to change behavior. Although what I do hear from people who have moved to this is this makes what I do fun again. This reminds me of why I got into sales, right? These kinds of things that are like, it's restoring this missing piece as it would for you as well. And it's going to harken back to a time when you're like, yeah, it is fun to, you know, have people feel like they know me before they meet me or get back in front of people. And actually that's the origin story of our, uh, one of our co-founders, he was selling outdoor, he was selling billboards for Lamar advertising and had a set of regional accounts and grew it and just couldn't stay in front of people. Even though he, unlike you, he didn't have to get on airplanes, but he did have to get in the car and drive around. And it becomes increasingly difficult to get face to face with these people. So he wanted to get, you know, face to face at scale anyway. So they're coming at it from different perspectives. The interesting thing though, is the issue of control. And so the thing we like about electronic communication is A, it allows us to hide. It allows us to be synchronous so that we can, you know, that we can control the situation. We can carefully control every single word, right? And so we tend to labor over some of our emails, not all of them, but we tend to labor over some of them because we have the privilege of doing so. We overestimate our ability to communicate clearly in typed out emails, but it's this control issue and we can control what we look like on Facebook and what we look like on LinkedIn and we carefully curate what we share and we, you know, we finesse things and we control things, right? And so going back to the younger folks where you say, oh, they're, they're comfortable with selfies and all this stuff. True, but, you know, I lean on some research in the book that says, you know, they are more perfectionist than folks, you know, older than them. And so yeah, they're putting their selfies up on social, but they're taking 35 shots before they get the right one. <laughs> and so what this all gets down to is the issue of vulnerability. You're so uncomfortable with this idea of putting ourselves out there in a real and honest way for the opportunity to not just to be accepted because our mind tends to operate out of fear very often. 
We don't look at that as an opportunity to make connection and to be accepted and loved. We have this fear of being exiled from the tribe, right? This deeply tribal nature of ours. We have this fear of being judged and rejected. And so I think the thing that stops anyone from getting started is approximately the same. And it's around this issue of the discomfort of vulnerability and the challenge of being seen and heard in a more honest, unproduced, casual, conversational way. And do you see, so, I mean, I, I, I struggle with that. It, and it's so, it's so funny because the vulnerability part of it combined with the perfection, I have struggled in the past when I have used video and, and even today I'm getting a little better, but not, I'm not going to say I'm awesome at it. With, I go back and watch it again and go, ah, oh, I shouldn't have said it like that. Let's do it again. Ah, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You know, and, and now that, you know, the light behind me was too bright or something, right? I overanalyze it. And so do you see, People, when they, you know, when they get to that point, do, does it become a, uh, not a barrier to start, but a barrier to actually hit send, right? Yes. Like they're too worried about, they're too worried about the perfectionism that it actually gets in the way. Have, are you, are you running into that? And if so, how do you, how do we help people get over that? Your experience is exactly right. We all go through it. It's I'm not comfortable with how I look or how I sound or I said it funny or I paused or I said, um, or, you know, my hair is messed up or, you know, all these. So the high level takeaway here is that we are our own harshest critic and we're going to judge and finesse every frame of that video. So, you know, practice is the key to success. Like practice builds confidence, confidence builds success. And in the scenario by practice, I don't mean act like you're recording a video and I don't mean record a video and not send it. I mean, record and send the video and don't play it back in advance. (laughs) Right. Because you, because, because you're going to judge it far more harshly. Again, it's not so much about what you say as about how you say it. So if you are listening to this show and you sincerely believe in the opportunity you're presenting to people and the value that you can create and provide for them, and you're excited about the opportunity to move forward and you're not exclusively selfish and transactionally minded, we all need to keep our quotas in mind. We all have targets to hit. But if we're sincere in our excitement about the product service opportunity that we're representing, then what exactly you say and how exactly you say it, I think falls away because what's going to happen when you send a video today is that a, you're going to differentiate yourself as many customers as we have. There are millions and millions and millions and millions of people and really not that many other companies who are doing what we do. And so you're immediately going to stand out, but you're also going to start building rapport. You're going to build this psychological proximity. People are going to feel as if they know you before they ever meet you. They're going to feel your energy and your enthusiasm and all of that. And so practice builds confidence, confidence builds success. If you need to practice with people you already know and people who like you, start by a, like a, a thank you habit, right? Take 10 minutes one morning a week. And in that time, you can send about four thank you videos to people you know, and you're saying thank you. So you already know them. They already like you. They've already done you a kindness. And you're looking them in the eye and expressing that sincerity and gratitude and enthusiasm in a way that a gift card or a gift basket or even a handwritten note can't capture. I think of this style of video a little bit like kind of a modern day handwritten note in that 
you know, the handwritten, handwritten note puts your personality on the page through your handwriting. And it also says, I took the time to do this for you. I made this just for you. And so a true one-to-one video does both of those jobs, but in an even more personal and human way, this gift of time and attention cannot be faked. And so whether you're prospecting or saying thank you or following up after a meeting or an appointment, or you're reaching out to a potential recruit into your organization, or you're congratulating a team member because his or her supervisor rolled up some good news to you as you know a two or three level up manager or supervisor, and you're going to look out there and say, hey, thank you so much, Jennifer. Heard you were working on that account for uh, several weeks and you had some challenges to overcome. You did a great job on it. Bob told me all about it. I just want to thank you so much for your two and a half years of service with us. You're just on fire. Can't wait to see what the next two and a half years brings. Keep up, keep it up, right? These kinds of things, that gift of time and attention cannot be faked. It cannot be replicated. It's more fun for you and you're going to be received really well. And so in this practice builds confidence piece, you're going to start a feedback loop where not everyone, but some people are going to reply and say, gosh, it was so nice to see you, or thank you so much for taking the time to send that to me, or I've never seen anything like that before. It's, that was awesome. These kinds of things will validate the effort and it will create this positive upward spiral that will break you out of that highly cognitive self-judgment and rejection piece and get you more into the spirit of it rather than the thought of it. So I want to, it's such a interesting concept, right? We think of video, or at least I, up, up until right this second, I typically thought of video as a way to go out of a company and prospect. However, it, to your point, can be used in an extremely powerful way internally as well. And so it is, it is a uh, phenomenal tool. And I apologize, audience. I did not uh, give you the title of the book. It's Rehumanize Your Business, How Personal Videos Accelerate Sales and Improve Customer Experience. Uh, it came out. Uh, I think Wiley was the, am I right about that? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Wiley was a publisher and anybody who listens to this podcast knows I'm a huge Harley Davidson fan. The book is orange. I love orange. So I have not read it yet, but highly recommend everybody pick it up. So uh, another question for you, how often should like, is it, can I do just video communication? Should I, is the best practice? Do I do just do videos to communicate or is there a cadence or, times it makes more sense to do a video than, you know, versus some other type of outreach? Great question. Common question. No, video is not necessary or even appropriate for every circumstance. And just like everything else, you need to mix it up. So if you are in sales and you're looking at a sales cadence as a manager or a practitioner, you know, you've got some blend of, you know, this is where we send this email. This is where we make a phone call. This is uh, if we get a voicemail, this is what we do. If we actually connect, this is what we do. You know, you have this whole series of plays. You have a playbook of some sort. And so what you're going to do is look at that and find the places. Typically, it's going to be early on, right? So you can separate yourself from your email signature and be a real person. You can separate yourself from that voicemail. And now it's not just your voice, but it's also your face. And actually, when you pair the video with one of these other elements and refer to the other one, right? So if you send a video email around the same moment as you as you leave a voicemail, you can refer to one in the other and refer to the other in the one and dramatically increase the likelihood that they reply back through one of those channels. And so you're going to look for opportunities to build relationship, create a bigger impact. Here's another great sign that you should maybe be sending a video. If you get a customer inquiry or even an employee inquiry, if you're, if, if you're about to type out a three, four, five paragraph email to explain something, 
that might be a great time to save time because it's going to be faster to talk than to type and be even more clear in your explanation because you're going to do a much better job just speaking in layperson's terms as opposed to capturing it, you know, in, in a handful of uh, paragraphs where you can just explain something. We also have a screen recorder throughout uh, the instances of our software. So we work in Gmail, we work in Outlook, we work in Salesforce, we work in Outreach, we work in a bunch of CRMs and platforms. We also have our own mobile apps and our own web app. And so in many of those instances, you have a screen recorder too. So if you need to walk through a report or a document or something else, you can kind of show and tell as well. And so anywhere you're looking to convey emotion, and it doesn't just have to be positive emotion, right? It can also be negative. An asynchronous video allows you to control the tone of the message on a bad news or an apology. And it gives the person space to process the information. You know, if you pick up the phone and call someone or meet someone in person with bad news or making an apology, you're essentially requiring that they have some response immediately live and on the spot. Whereas if you do it asynchronously in video, you can control that message, give them a little bit of time and space, and then you use the tracking and analytics to know when you might follow up because we'll tell you exactly when they click play on that video. So that's just a handful of opportunities that you have. One, look at your existing cadences in sales or marketing or customer success. And look for those spots where you want to save some time or do some education or make a bigger impact or have people feel more personally connected to you and the brand. Anywhere you want to save time by talking instead of typing. Anywhere you can be more clear by showing and telling. And anywhere that there's positive or negative emotion in particular, those are all great spots to send a video. Perfect. And so how about some stats? Any any stats or things that like I'd be really interested to find out as you've I mean, as you spent so much time doing this and, and actually writing the book and, and working with so many customers, what stats surprised you? You know, it 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 rarely surprises me anymore. The one thing that surprised <laughs> me and it doesn't, I mean, I've been doing surveys for a long time. So I think one of the reasons that I'm one of the things that compelled me to write the book is that, again, I've been doing this for a long time. And when we started, we didn't have a market. We didn't have customers. We just had an idea and we knew that it was a good one. And it was based in what was real at the time and even more true today, you know, which is that we're over-reliant on forms of communication that don't let us sell with our best sales asset, which is us, right? right? And so as I've gone on and tried to discover, you know, how are successful customers using it? What did they have to overcome? What problems did they face? What results are they getting? Why do they keep doing it? Oh, how do they expand their usage of video? So just being in touch with people and running surveys and getting anecdotes and, and all that, none of that really surprised me. It was always delightful. And, and there's nothing more validating in the work that we do to hear someone reply to something and say, you know, you completely changed my business or even at a more dramatic level, but still just as real and even more gratifying is, you know, this didn't just change my business, it changed my life, right? And um, so that's always super meaningful. The one thing that I have heard that surprised me, and it was when I did a, a research project with a guy that was working on his doctorate at Harvard Business School, he reached out because I, I cited him in a blog post and I think a Google alert told him that I had done so. So he reached out and we put together a research project. And as he was trying to, to create the design for the project, he thought it'd be helpful to interview customers. So I connected him with, you know, 15 of our best customers and he did the interviews and then we reconnected and he was like, Hey, Ethan, um, they told me everything that you told me 
they would tell me, (laughs) which was, I get more replies and responses. I convert leads more. People feel like they know me before they ever meet me. People love to get these videos. I save a ton of time by talking instead of typing. I have dyslexia and this is a lifesaver because I don't have to worry about spelling and typos and grammar and go through all the trouble of trying to, you know, capture my thoughts in these. And you don't, I mean, you don't have to suffer dyslexia to know the benefits of not worrying about spelling and grammar and typos. (laughs) Or even autocorrect. Let's let's fold that one in. He said, but I did hear something surprising. And that is when your customers send these videos out to their people, their people don't just feel closer to them. They also feel closer to their people. So there's something about this process of looking the camera in the lens and being who you are and speaking directly to one person or to a specific segment of people. You know, I've been talking a lot about one-to-one. You can record a video once and use it over and over again or record a video once and send it to 15,000 people. Right. Um, but there's something about this process of, of acting in this way that makes them feel closer to their customer. So again, there's this psychological proximity even in the absence of physical proximity, right? You and I didn't get together over coffee at Starbucks down the street or across town We've only connected through this digital channel, but there's something about that 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 creates some relational foundation that they find more satisfying. To me, that's the most interesting thing. I haven't proven that out yet, but I've heard it anecdotally for years, and it was really interesting to hear that from this researcher. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So let's, um, let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions at the end of each interview. The first is simply as an executive, that makes you a prospect for many sales professionals. I'm always curious to understand. Now I know the obvious answer may be video, but if it is, then help go a little bit deeper for me. But I'm always curious when somebody doesn't have a relationship with you, when they don't have a referral into you, there's no, there's no existing, pre-existing trust at all. What do you find for you captures your attention and helps someone earn the right to 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes on your calendar? I think relevance. I think so much of the stuff that we, I know that's an easy answer, but it's upstream of video, right? The way you communicate why, again, when I get your email, I should know why did I get this? What is my opportunity? And how do I proceed if I am interested in this opportunity? Like it should be simple, but I think so often the emails that you and I and everyone listening gets from people who are prospecting us and looking to sell us things, they're looking to sell us things. And you can tell because you've performed no behavior that would suggest that you are ready to talk about or even schedule time with somebody, right? And so they're missing that link, right? So it is nice when they talk about something you've done, right? If they're like, hey, saw you on LinkedIn, I saw your comment on that other guy's post, and I totally agree, right? These kinds of things that show some level of relevance beyond you showed up on my list and so my machine shot out an email at you and it's slugged in your company name and it's slugged in your first name and, you know, but it's the same email that everyone else got. So just this, you know, just showing that you care a little bit. And so I feel a sense of reciprocity, like social obligation and reciprocity when someone has very obviously given their time and attention to what I'm up to, what I'm doing, and they can hook in whatever opportunity they're presenting to something that I've actually done or said or asked about or whatever. And so, you know, there's no faking the fact that you were on LinkedIn, you saw something from me, 
you liked it and commented back, you looked at my profile, you reached out to me and you did it in a specific way. Like there's no faking that there is a link there. And so if you do that, you will at least earn a reply. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Last question. We call it our acceleration insight. There's one thing, one piece of advice you could tell professional sales, marketing, professional services, people, one piece of advice that you could give them that you believe would help them achieve their goals, crush their targets, whatever it would be. What would it be and why? Keep the customer first. And when I say that, I don't mean you know, make a persona of, you know, leader Linda. Leader Linda is 48 years old and she drives an Audi A5 or, you know, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, the real customer, like what is in it for them? And when you ask yourself in advance, why would, or why should this person participate in whatever I'm offering by email, by phone, by whatever, what's in it for them? When you start with that question, as opposed to trying to reverse engineer after the fact, you know, what do I do with all these people who didn't open my email or why didn't she watch my video or, you know, why didn't, why whatever, like all this backward looking stuff. If you start with what's in it for the customer and you always operate that way, you're just going to be in a position to win more often. You're going to communicate in a, in a more resonant way. And people are going to notice that difference if you're sincere about it. I get it. I mean, I get caught up in KPIs and metrics and quotas and obligations and promises you made to the sales team that you're going to generate X number of sales qualified leads. And you do need to honor that stuff. But what is so easily lost in that, and I know it's almost cliche to say here at this point in in business culture, but if we can keep in mind the person on the other side and what their challenges are and the fact that they might've just had a big win or they might've just missed a goal and been chewed out by their supervisor, you know, whatever the case may be, if we keep in mind who they are and what's in it for them, we're just going to be in a better position to win. And by win, I mean, create a conversation, do some discovery and diagnosis and see if we can actually be of some real value to them. Yeah. I think that's a, a, unbelievably important point. We, I think we, I see people get overwhelmed with the data all the time and forget that this is a human to human interaction. And the video allows people to see it just as, you know, just as we've been talking about, but to think, take a moment to think about, put yourself in somebody else's shoes as a skill. It's turning into an, an irreplaceable skill that's necessary and expected, quite honestly, in my experience from the customers, thanks to all the customer experience dollars that were invested by all our B2C companies. And we all can get what we want, when we want, how we want, where we want. We want that now in our B2B relationships as well. And it still is all about people buying from people at the end of the day. Yep. And the fun thing is you can practice it in your entire life. People love empathy. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. all any of us is want. We All we want is to be seen and heard. Be seen and heard. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Ethan, if a listener wants to get in touch with you specifically, what method do you prefer? Do you want them to reach out on LinkedIn? Yeah, yeah you can You can hit me up on LinkedIn. Again, it's Ethan Butte. It's E-T-H-A-N. Last name is B-E-U-T-E. Just hit me up on LinkedIn. Or you can email me, Ethan, E-T-H-A-N, at bombbomb.com. Excellent. I cannot thank you enough for taking time to be on the show. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Excellent. All right, everybody. Rehumanize your business. How personal videos accelerate sales and improve customer experience. Pick it up. Uh, it's the number one bestseller on Amazon. And if you're going to any of the events, I've seen pictures from some of my friends that are at the events that are, that are snapping. Picks of the book. Pick it up. Give it a read. 
Get yourself in front of the camera. Do not be afraid. And I'm saying that more for me than for you. And that does it for this episode. Check us out at b2brevexec.com. You know the drill. Share it out there. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.